This episode of Control Out Delete is supported by Wonder Capital. It's Wonder with a U. Wonder Capital is the leading online investment platform that allows individuals to invest in large-scale solar projects across the United States. Wonder Solar Investment Funds allow you to earn up to 11% annually while diversifying your portfolio, curbing pollution, and combating global climate change. Wonder Capital uses sophisticated underwriting and investing algorithms to help you achieve your investment goals. Best of all, Wonder Capital doesn't take any fees for investing your money. Thousands of users have already taken advantage of Wonder's platform. So create an account for free at wondercapital.com slash Walt. That's Wonder with a U. Invest in Wonder Capital solar funds. Do well and do good. Hello, and welcome to Control Walt Delete, uh, an increasingly vibrant podcast from the Verge. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. Less, know that does means. that mean less boring or what? Yeah, no. It's it's just getting more every week. It's a slightly more. It's slightly brighter, fresher. Uh, today is going to be, I think, a fiery episode. Uh, but anyway, I am Neil Patel. I'm the editor in chief of The Verge, and I'm joined as always by my friend Walt Mossberg, the executive editor of The Verge and co-founder of Recode. Hey, Walt, how's it going, man? Hey, Neil, it's uh, it's uh, going well. Uh, uh, it's, rain, so, it's raining in D.C., but other than that, it's going. Yeah, well. It rained a little bit in New York today too. But, Liv, you know, it, it, there's a sprinkle of rain here, and I've noticed the Uber, they just start surge pricing right away. So I've come to believe that Travis is now seeding the clouds in New York every so often, just to make I, sure. I'm sure he is. Um, I mean, it's within his powers. <laughs> like Silicon Valley, man. It's, it's, it's getting crazy. Anyway, Walt, we should get right into it. Um, you, this week, well, so I'll put it this way. Walt wrote a column this week about Apple specifically. And more specifically, the the quality of Apple's built-in apps, which if you've been listening to the show, you've heard us talk about at length. But while you talked about Mail, iTunes, um, iCloud, Photos, the the core experience apps that Apple really built around. And then I wrote a column this week um, about Chromebooks and how much simpler I think Chromebooks are to use, particularly for people who don't want to monkey with all the other stuff. And to me, in my mind, these are interrelated. But I want to start with the um, the Apple stuff because while you told me a story as we were editing a column about the first time you criticized mobile me and like jobs jobs like literally brought it up with a lot of people it is it is a big deal when Walt criticizes Apple especially as deeply as I think you did in this column you want to kind of get into it and get into why yeah uh, so I, I you know I started in this business of reviewing tech products a long time ago uh, with a very clear vision that I was writing for the average person, not the not the geek, not the techie. Now, obviously, the average person knows a lot more now than they did then, but there still are a lot of people who, uh, they're not ignorant and they're not newbies, but they just depend on somebody to have that, have them in mind as opposed to the enthusiasts or the IT department. And Apple has really held that position for a, a long, long time. And they've said so publicly. You know, they're, uh, Steve Jobs used to constantly say, it just works, and or the, compu- the computer for the rest of us. And uh, Tim Cook and Steve Jobs have said many times, our only goal when we sit down and we come to work every day is to make great products. Um, and a big part of that is software. I mean, people think of them as a hardware company, and they do make beautiful hardware, and they have for a long time. But right from the first Mac in 1984, the software was just as important as the hardware. Uh, and 
Their software has been something you could basically count on. It was elegant. Uh, it was often uh, innovative. And um, there are, I, don't, I didn't count them, but I think there's at least a couple dozen, uh, maybe, maybe much more than that, built-in uh, apps ranging from the calculator to, you know, GarageBand on um, both the Mac OS X operating system and the iPhone, iPad, you know, iOS operating system. And my, my feeling, which has been building for quite a while now, for a number of months, uh, is that if I look back over the last couple of years, I think the quality's been gradually deteriorating. I think there are more bugs. I think there are more issues. I think there's more complexity. And I think they're taking their eye off the ball on this, and that's what I wrote this morning. Yeah, and that's, you know, it's funny. You were saying just before we came on here that, there, you know, the three L, this post has been top of the site all day, um, and I suspect it will be remain popular for a long time. But you're saying there's three elements. One, it's Apple. Two, it's you deeply criticizing Apple. And three, and I think this is most important, it's resonating with the experiences people are having with Apple products right now. And I think that is the danger sign, right? It's not just randomly criticizing, oh, I wish it had this feature, or, you know, the classic Apple criticism of, I wish it had a removable battery or an SD yeah, card no, slot. Yeah, no, right, yeah. This is the core functionality in many cases is broken or not well thought out. And I think the, the place that I, we have to start is where you started, which is iTunes. iTunes was Apple's Halo product for, I mean, iTunes plus iPod was the thing that catapulted them into this consumer electronics device maker zone that they were able to leverage into the iPhone, right? They, They became a maker of small handheld gadgets and that radically changed the entire company and radically changed the entire industry. And it just seems like iTunes is along the way they like threw it out of the car and it's just sort of like chugging along picking up garbage as it, as it tries to chase them. Well, well okay I, I, yes we should start with iTunes but I want to start but just before that I, I need to yeah. say something that I think is context setting here. Yeah. I am not saying that every app they have is, is junk and in fact in the column um, I, I uh, listed half a dozen that I think that I at least personally find work really well for me I think um, uh, iMessage uh, works really well, uh, and it, it's great that you know it works on all of their different devices. Uh, I think uh, they did a lot of work on Notes. It it it's you know I don't even uh, use Pocket anymore or some of these other things. I can uh, just use Notes, and it syncs again uh, across the platforms. Uh, there are uh, you know many others that. Uh, still work fine. I, in general, I think Safari works well. There is currently a bug they're working on, which they explained to me um, that has to do with uh, Twitter links. But um, but it's a mixed picture because for every one that, wor- that works well, there's one that, like you say, it's, it's obvious needs heavy rethinking, and that didn't used to be the case with them. They used to be able to just say, I mean, it, it, it's amorphous, but it's real. You knew if you bought an Apple product 
that it wasn't just that the hardware was was great, but that the software was just going to work for you. I mean, it wasn't just a slogan. People really did feel it just works, particularly compared to, you know, Windows went for, I don't know, 15 years with, you know, viruses and crazy things, you know, drivers and all the crazy things you had to do. You just didn't have that stuff with Apple products. And even Android, you know, until the last release or two had a lot of complexity in it. Um, so this is a serious issue for them. And let's talk about iTunes. So iTunes was a, a, a brilliant thing when it came out. It it had uh, it was your music player. Uh, it was your jukebox for the iPod. And, and uh, but even before the iPod, it was, you know, you would rip your CDs in there. It 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 contained your music and it and it got your music in it had a store built in that was pretty much it and it did it really well I mean, it re- like revolutionarily well like in terms yeah. of if you chart where we are right now in terms of technology and culture and media being intermixed like seriously intermixed itunes is where it began because that's when people started to use their computers to consume culture every well, and, minute of the day. And it was absolutely one of the jewels in their in their crown. It was, we forget, a lot of people forget, um, but it was also their entree into Windows. I mean, when they put um, iTunes on Windows, it was great. Uh, it worked great on Windows at the beginning, just as it did on the Mac. Uh, you know, at one of our conferences, um, I asked Steve Steve Jobs, this is a story that's been written now in some books and things, but I asked Steve Jobs, how does it feel to be one of the world's biggest Windows developers? Because they were at the time, this was in 2007, they had hundreds of millions of installations of iTunes on Windows PCs. And he thought for a minute and he said, it feels like giving a glass of ice water to people in hell. Um, and this didn't. This this really annoyed Bill Gates, I have to say. But um, and and I was I was present for that, seeing that annoyance. But um, uh, so iTunes got really uh, bloated, right? And uh, you know they added videos. This, it it kind of tracked what they did with their devices. What first the iPod and then the iPhone. So it had video. It had books, it had apps, it had all this stuff. On this is now on the Mac we're talking about, right? And um, it just it's it's just carrying uh, way too. And, and now you know Apple Music, uh, the streaming services in there, and and the and the Beats One, you know, radio station, the whole all of that is in there. So it just it, it is it is very complicated and slow, and and. Um, I recently had to use it. I try not to use it, frankly, uh, uh, but I had to use it because, <laughs> in yet another bug, uh, both of my iPads stopped syncing to the cloud, which right. is another one of Apple's "it just works" things that generally has just worked for me. It still works for my iPhone, but but one of my iPads flashed up and noticing this this iPad hasn't been able to back up to iCloud for five weeks, four weeks, and now it's five weeks. So I I went, you know, I talked to Apple about it, and they suggested I at least, you know, sync it uh, with with a Mac, and I did, and I opened it, and I was just reminded again. I mean, you know, it's just, I mean, even just 
even just showing, even the, just the device showing up right. in iTunes, which used to be almost instantaneous, now just cranks and cranks well, until... There, there's like a restart that needs to happen. Like, it made sense. iTunes is going to manage your iPod. Why is it going to manage your iPod? Because it's the thing on your computer that plays music. This is the thing in your life that plays music. You plug it in, syncs all yep. the files. All of this makes sense. And they started adding features to the iPod, right? And so now it's going to do movies as well or TV shows or music videos or whatever they added to it. And whatever, we'll let it sync notes and calendars. Fine. Right? It's like this is all ancillary to the core relationship between the software and the device that was Apple's big win in the industry is we make the software we make the hardware and software on your we computer. make the whole banana we make jobs jobs once said yeah. <laughs> i cannot imagine him saying the word banana but that's for another he time did. um and right and initially they made firewire and then they made the hardware and software on the ipod and then they whatever they switched out to usb and put it on windows but that's the they made this whole integrated system and then fine the iphone comes out and they like a layer of the iphone on top of it because the iPhone also has to sync music, and they have to... so this but like, the makes iPhone sense. has many more things than the iPod. But did, no, I'm saying, right? but the first iPhone, it sort of made sense. Like, mm-hmm. how are you going to sync music and calendars and all this stuff? Well, we're just going to build on this existing relationship that you have, right? Yeah. And then it's just the iPhone kept on getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and they just kept on building on this foundation, and the the core of that foundation is still just syncing music. Yeah, and they and they did clean up iTunes in a somewhat major way a few years back, um, and it, it helped for a little while. But it's just like the barnacles keep coming back, right? And it's and just, it, it's just not. And here's the thing: here's the thing we have to say about not only iTunes but the rest of the things that I mentioned. Um, uh, Apple, I hold Apple to a higher standard. I think you do too, mm-hmm. um, because they've actually um, lived. At a, at, a, at a higher level of quality and ease of use and reliability and integration with the hardware than a lot of other software you can get. And this is true both on desktop and mobile. So I hold them to a higher standard, and I think iTunes has now fallen well below, not just yesterday, but has, you know, for a while now, fallen well below that standard. Interestingly, when they when they went to put iTunes on uh, iOS on the on the iPhone, um, they did it differently. I, as you know, the iTunes app on uh, the iPhone is just a store yeah. for buying media, and um, the the playback of the, those media types is intelligently distributed to the apps that are built in for that purpose. So there's a music app, there's a podcast app, there's a video app. And, you know, whatever you buy, if you go to the, for instance, to the video app in iOS, depending on what videos you have, there are tabs that say, you know, movies, home videos, music videos. And home videos, of course, are ones you've taken with the phone, but the others are things you presumably have gotten from iTunes. You know what breaks this paradigm is Apple Music. Right. Well, you yeah. just described yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the paradigm we're, in which we're, we're getting to that. There's like a family of apps for con- for acquisition of content and a family of apps for consumption. They should have. They should have, in my opinion, and this is hard, but the hard. This they it's their job to do hard things. It's our job to do our own kind of hard things. Everybody has hard things to do if they're if they're trying to be good. Um, they needed to find a way. They had a harder job than Spotify in a way because 
they had to integrate the streaming with your purchased music that you may have done over the years on iTunes and and if you happen to have iTunes match you know there's another set of issues there but um, they could have done it they could have done it with a separate app um, or with a better designed music app uh, than they did and uh, so I agree with that but on the bigger issue of what to do about whether we should have one giant bloated thing or whether we should break them up I mean the I did get some reaction from the company, or more than some, on, on a number of these things, and uh, um, wrote in my column and was told that they, in fact, periodically have debated breaking up iTunes on the Mac. But so far, I've decided not to do it. And um, uh, so, yes, it, to the extent iTunes is what people think of, they think of Apple and, you know, for a lot of people they do. This is not a particularly good advertisement for them. Right. But maybe, you know, maybe it doesn't matter, right? Like maybe maybe my emotional connection to iTunes is related to my emotional connection to the iPod world. And I think everybody who listens to this show oh my deeply God. emotionally now. connected to the iPod. But like maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe that time is just over, right? Like maybe we're all just going to use Apple Music or Spotify or whatever and, it, and iTunes is going to continue. But the question I have for you then is are they is the breakdown that they're so focused on the iPhone and the Apple Watch and all the stuff they have to do to sort of keep the new part of the ecosystem going and growing and, and they've and they've Apple, Apple TV, TV and apps, they've got yeah. four OS's now like is is it that they've spread themselves too thin and they're too focused on the new stuff to care for the old stuff? Where do you think this is coming from? Well, they absolutely they absolutely fiercely deny that. They say they, you know, I, th- I think I used a, the quote in the in the column. They uh, they claim they have, um, and you know, and I, I I'm sure they do. They have teams that are uh, you know uh, just as focused as they ever have been. But um, I think clearly, uh, I don't know if they're spread too thin or this is just not as much a priority as it once was, or it is a priority and they're not spread too thin and they're making decisions that I think are have become uh, uh, out of whack with um, what I think really their users are feeling. And I think you have... Damn it. No, you Well, I just can't. set you no. up with the, do you think they're spread too right. thin? That was like yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, ask the question, Neil. Um, so now, no, um, I think you of all people, I, I may have asked you this before, but you of all people are uniquely suited to kind of understand what I mean here. Who's their product visionary right now? Right? For a long time, the company and Steve Jobs were a, a unified person. You know, like Apple was Jobs, Jobs was Apple. Who's who's in charge of all this stuff right now? Is it is it Tim Cook? Is it Johnny Ive? When when you talk to them, what's the sense that you get that there's a singular vision, or is that era just over? Um, well, first of all, uh, I understand exactly what you mean, and all the listeners understand exactly what you mean about you know Jobs and Apple. Uh, but got to remember that Jobs had lunch with Johnny Ive every single day. Johnny Ive played a huge role. Tim Cook played a huge role. Right. Even even though he was the operations guy, I mean, everybody on that executive team had input. Phil Schiller, who was their head of uh, marketing worldwide, um, all, all these people uh, had an input into um, the products. And 
they changed Jobs' mind, I think, more than uh, more than most people think. So it wasn't Steve Jobs did not do all these products and all these all these um, uh, pieces of software by himself. But you're right. I mean, he 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 had extraordinary power and an extraordinary amount of influence, and he was a tastemaker and a product visionary for them, and the product visionary for them. Um, I don't know exactly how it works today. I think highly of Tim Cook. I think he's very smart. Um, he was in all those meetings for 14 years. He has all the institutional memory from the second jobs uh, you know, period at Apple, the, 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 where they soared. And he obviously relies a lot on Johnny Ive, and he relies a lot on a guy named uh, Craig Federici, who uh, you know is their is their software guy. Uh, and obviously, there are hardware people as well, but we're talking software now. Uh, but I don't know. You can't replace Steve Jobs. Is basically my answer. You can't. And by the way, you know some. Some big flops happened under yeah, Steve Jobs true. in the software world. I well, mean, you know, tell that he wasn't story. perfect. Mobile Me, yeah. you know, was their first. Uh, well, not their first, but it was their biggest effort uh, up to that point to do some cloud-based service. Um, they had fragmentary things before, which aren't worth taking up podcast time with. But um, so they did Mobile Me and. Um, and it was really bad. I, I don't remember all the badness about it, but it was really bad. And I, I wrote, and others wrote uh, reviews saying this is really bad. And uh, Jobs actually called me up and apologized. <laughs> I said, "Don't apologize, apologize to me. <laughs> what are you apologizing to me for?" Oh my God! What, what, are, uh, what does a Steve Jobs apology sound like? Uh, I don't. It was an apology. I mean, he he said he didn't think it was worthy of Apple. And, wow. And, you know, whatever. And then I found out, I didn't know any of this, but uh, in Walter Isaacson's biography of him, uh, there's, a, there's a little section in there where he has an all-hands meeting with the Mobile Me team and kind of reams them out. And one of the things he says to them is, you know, you, you Walt Mossberg hated this, so how can we make a product like that? You know, and um, I don't know whether to be flattered or, you know, not flattered by that, but like... Anyway, um, <laughs> I think you should be flattered. Uh, I think that's so. The they, so they had, they had uh, that problem. They tried to do a social network based around music because, as you pointed out before, they they did dominate music uh, for a long time, uh, and uh, uh, and they may still. I mean, actually, Apple Music is is growing pretty health uh, in a pretty healthy rate, and it doesn't have free memberships. Um, so. Um, but they dominated music, so they tried to make a thing called Ping, which was a social network built around music. It didn't work. And the debut of Apple Maps, which they're sticking with, and which I have to say is, I think, uh, vastly better than it was. But it was embarrassing. It was not ready to ship when they shipped it. And so they've had a few big problems before. What I'm writing about today, and what we're talking about, and I think we agree on here, is that this is a broader thing. Some of these things, it doesn't, it isn't like one big embarrassment, you know, like Mobile Me was, um, or the first iteration or second iteration of Maps. This is something where the general, it, it seems to an outsider who uses their products every day, like me, like you, that um, 
these built-in apps, which at least in my case I used to rely uh, on heavily and just assumed would work because they did, even though right. I'm pretty critical. I'm not saying every little feature was something I liked or didn't like, but, uh, you know, they worked. Um, it seems broadly like the quality level is not up to the standards they constantly set for themselves and which users have come to expect from them. And that is a serious issue. Um, let's talk about mail for a minute. Uh, there, I, I, would, I would argue the case with you that uh, at the time when the most popular mail client in the world was Outlook, um, and you know, even people not in corporations were trying to use it, uh, Apple's mail client, once, once they got it up and it got stabilized, uh, was much better for most people's purposes. It was elegant. It was fast. It worked with not you know work with a lot of different services. Um, it had nice touches. They were I think the I could be wrong about this, but at least for me they were the first mail client I ever saw that had what Apple calls data detectors. In other okay. words, if it noticed. Uh, if I got an email from you and I didn't know you very well and so I didn't have your contact info and you put it in your email signature, you know, it, it highlights it or, or it, if you put your um, cursor over it, it, you know, puts a square around it, you click on a little arrow and it goes right into context. I mean, that's cool. Um, inline photos in mail is something that they had long before anybody else. You know, you didn't have to... And, and, and compared to Outlook, which I think is not a good piece of uh, desktop outlook, right. not a good piece of software. Um, I think they were great. Um, and then it and then like other things that I mentioned, it has slipped in and one big way it slipped, which Apple you know says is completely not their fault, is Gmail. Um, there's a billion people apparently, according to Google who now use Gmail. I think that must make it the biggest email service in use. I don't know, maybe Exchange is still as big, but I don't, what do you think? I well, don't it's know. Exchange is like little server. I mean, it's possible, but it's a, I don't think you can count it. But it, Yahoo Mail is still massive, right? And I don't know. Yeah, do they have a billion though? It's the, the, I thought they were in the hundreds of like maybe 500 and something the million longest, less. I'm looking right now. Um, I knew you would. Of course I am. Uh, it's funny. You Google Yahoo right now. It's all about the company falling apart. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard to Every get Every story is by Kara Swisher. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. As they should be, by the way. Uh, it doesn't say. It's hard to, hard to say. But anyway, your, your point is that these webmail services are huge now, and all of them have, like, fairly decent apps, including Gmail has two very good apps for iOS, the Gmail app and Inbox. But I will say this. There's also an enormous wave of interesting startup email apps that we cover all right. the time. So right. we just did a big piece on airmail. And I, I would I uh, would say uh, that if I, if I rewound the OS ten version, yeah. But if I rewound ten years or even to two thousand seven and said, Hey Walt, in twenty sixteen some of the most popular articles we write about iPhone apps are gonna be about new mail clients, you would have laughed in my face. But I think that opportunity exists because the mail client on the iPhone is just kind yeah. of stagnant. No, I, 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 I agree. Um, Apple's position is that uh, Gmail in particular does not follow standard IMAP protocols. 
I'm not getting into the weeds on that. I have in the past talked to Google about that, and that's, and they don't agree with that. But um, uh, whatever. That's just one of the issues. Here's the thing. I I use both the uh, you know the web-based um, uh, Gmail uh, web app on uh, on OS 10. I used uh, also on iOS. I use both Apple's and and Google's. And um, um, I would say that you know Apple's is still quite elegant, quite nice. Uh, it has lots of interesting little features, but it, it also has um, it, it also has slipped. Even if you don't, even if you believe Apple about Gmail, and even if you don't ever use Gmail, uh, I mentioned you know a number of other things I, I, uh, about it. I find that it, it 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 can be slow. I find that it can you know mix up. Mix up. I didn't put this in the com, but it can. I have actually found it, you know, uh, mixing up uh, messages right. in some cases. It's just not up to well, where it was or what it should be. I, I think it's it's that you know, mail is an interesting. It's in the most general case, what we're talking about with a mail client is the world is going to send you lots of data, and your mail client is going to organize and present it to you in yeah. a singular way that you trust. And that's fundamentally what we're talking about with all of these apps, right? It's right. the Photos app is going to, you know, you're going to collect a lot of data in the form of photos. And right. this solution is going to canonically organize and save and make you feel safe about that stuff and show it to you when you need it. With music, you're going to collect a lot, you know, whatever it is. You're going to collect data and this thing is going to help you manage and make sure that data is safe. And what's interesting about it is... I feel less and less safe with Apple's solutions. You were talking about photos, right? Like photos doesn't work on the desktop as well as it does on the mobile devices. Um, right. We're talking about iTunes and we're saying music is important in these streaming services. Um, a, they make you feel like you're not collecting any data, which is probably why people are buying vinyl records again. But B, Apple doesn't, there's nothing about iTunes that you use it and you're like, I trust you. <laughs> right? In fact, like. No, and, that, and that's the thing. And, and the trust was, was, amorphous and kind of just just almost intuitive uh which is an overused word when it comes to apple but it, it was right. i mean you know you just you just had faith in apple and I, and I don't want to speak we shouldn't be speaking in the past tense there's millions and hundreds of millions of people who have high faith in apple still um, but so this goes to something i'm talking there and there are but, in, 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 look i use an iphone i've got a macbook here there's nothing that at this moment is going to swap me you know like i have a nexus 6p it's a very nice it's my second phone uh, but you're right like the it, the software advantage of iMessage is so high that the iphone will remain my first phone the camera advantage of the iphone is still hot like there's there's apps come out on ios first like there are many reasons to stay in this ecosystem and, and much of the software is still good but and i'll tell you and i'll tell you something else the 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 the, the, the i'm a lot older than you so i can say this the biggest joy in the day for my wife and I mm-hmm. is when uh, we get a new picture of our granddaughter yeah. who, who lives in Boston and is 15 months old, I want to say, um, on uh, iCloud shared, you know, photo libraries, which used to be called shared photo streams. And, you know, Google brought out something like it that, that isn't as good, to be honest. Right. Apple's thing is still really good. But 
here's the thing. I mean, to me, in some ways, it's my favorite feature of the entire iPhone. Uh, but my wife will be looking. You know, I may, I, I may say to her, hey, there's a new picture because I'm on my phone or my iPad and I see it. She's on her Mac. The picture doesn't show up there. Right. I mean, eventually it will, but it doesn't show up in the same time frame that I'm seeing it. Um, there's something wrong with that. To take such a gem of a feature, so st- to, to use the business term, so sticky, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so uh, integral to your uh, feeling that you can trust Apple and that you know you're in the warm embrace of an ecosystem that's been designed for you and not some faceless IT department. All of those things, and to not have it really work so reliably that you just don't think about it, that is a big problem for them. Right. So let me zoom way out. We've yeah. got a few minutes left here. What we were talking about at the beginning was Apple builds, as you put it, as Steve Jobs called it, the whole banana, right? And their big right. advantage over Windows at that time was Windows PCs were built by system integrators and you know you could buy expansion cards and CD drives and whatever, and they would all need drivers who were made by different vendors and the system integrators would either put them together well or not put them together well, and a piece of software would break. Well, and you had to be the system integrator. Right, but so that was their big advantage, right, is basically you couldn't buy a Windows peripheral and plug it into a Windows box and be like 100% certain it would all work. But you could definitely buy an iPod and plug it into a Mac and be 100% certain. Right. Now, and so just zooming way out, now what is happening is that instead of that local software integration that has to happen, almost all the devices around us are smartphones in one way or another, right? They, they generally run like little ARM processors, which are offshoots of the processors in our smartphones. They have wireless connections to one service or another. They connect up to a cloud service, and then they connect down to either your phone or your PC or whatever, Mac. Do they lose that inbuilt advantage of being the world's best system integrator because they build the whole banana because sort of the banana is exploded? That's a tortured metaphor, but do you know what I mean? It's like the devices are so much smarter that all we really have to do is shuttle data back and forth. We're not in the world of drivers anymore. We're not in the world of weird client apps for goofy MP3 players. We're not in the world of um, is this piece, is this one peripheral going to plug in and have an IRQ conflict with another peripheral, right? Like everything is just sort of on the web and you can get at everything through a browser if in the worst case scenario or an app on your phone in sort of the best case scenario. Does that I, I would remove, put it like does that Yeah, no. I don't, I don't think it removes their advantage. I I think uh, I can imagine a world in which iCloud had become and maybe it's not too late, but I can imagine a world in which iCloud had become so awesomely terrific that it would have shut off avenues for Google and mm-hmm. other people, Amazon, uh, 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 other people to do stuff in the cloud. I'll give you a tiny example. So Apple, and let's put aside, I know there was a lawsuit about pricing of books, but I'm going to put this aside. Yeah. So they introduced iBooks. Uh, and iBooks had to go up against Kindle, which I'm not talking about the device, but the app, the Kindle app, which is on everybody's platform, but particularly importantly, uh, I think, and first, it, it appeared on the iPhone and and the iPad. And um, the app does what the, what the Kindle hardware does, which is it remembers where you left off, which is really important in reading a book. 
you can set bookmarks, but you don't have to. It'll just remember. It'll, you, you've done this a million times. I've done it a million times. The listeners have done it a million times. You know, there's a little thing that comes up and says, would you like to go to the, far, the farthest page read? Right. Which remembers in the cloud, and you say yes, and you're there. Um, Apple's iBooks only remembers bookmarks. It remembers, uh, I should say it remembers other things, notes if you've left them and highlights, you know, all that. But it doesn't automatically remember where you left off, at least not for me on any of my devices. And I don't know if it does for you. So, you know, that's a tiny example. There's a lot of things they might have done in the cloud to, um, they had it. It was in a funny way, it was theirs to lose. I mean, the business cloud might have been Microsoft's to lose. Or, uh, you know, Amazon. maybe, well, Amazon, Amazon has the business cloud in a different way, uh, you know, but oh, in, in I terms know. of the, you mean the business user cloud versus like the start. Yeah, the business cloud. user cloud. But the consumer user cloud could have been Apple's. Um, and they, they, but instead, you know, that's one of their, as I said in the com, I think that's one of their major weaknesses. Um, and it's uneven. Um, oddly, you know, I think uh, uh, certain kinds of things, iMessage, you know, I can, I can, you and I can have an iMessage thread going. This actually has happened, um, which at least on my end, I don't know about yours, I might have started on a Mac and then, uh, you know, went away for, for some reason and come back and picked it up on the iPhone and it's right there. That's great. That works great. Um, you know, I, notes, syncs, uh, other things, sync, just contact sync, uh, fine for me. All that's great. Uh, but they have these other big lapses, like where's the album art uh, on, on the music that I trusted to put into iTunes Match years ago? Uh, you know, why is the wrong album art being used on this? Or why is there no album art? Or why is the, are the playlists not all, not all available? Why, when I use Apple Music streaming on the Apple TV one night in the last couple of months, and all these things, by the way, helped form my opinions that I wrote today. I didn't even mention this one, but I was on Apple TV. Mm-hmm. I went to, uh, uh, you know, listen to some music I don't own, streaming music, because I do pay them a monthly, whatever it is, 10 bucks a month. And it does work on Apple TV. It's present on Apple TV. Three songs in a row just, you know, cut off. Yeah. And I have a very fast, very steady uh, Fios uh, internet service at my house at about 85 Mbps. It it, it, re- it varies very little in from test to test. Uh, you know, I, I don't get stuttering on movies and things on Apple TV, but their streaming music service just... After the third song, I was like, I'm done with this. <laughs> it, in, but it, but the damage was deeper than that. It was like, yet an, it, you know, it was one of the things that led to me writing this. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just, you know, I just think if I were running Apple, I would be, right now, they're not going to take any advice from me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am sure I'm not the most popular person in Cupertino today. But... Um, and you know, uh, Neil, I, I mean, if I were running Apple, uh, I would say maybe, uh, you know, maybe we just need to really get on this and look at every one of our core apps and see, right. and, you know, make it a priority to, to make it better because that is something that it, I don't think it's too late for them to fix it, 
but at some point it will be too late for them to fix it. Right. I mean, it's just it's it's this thing we talked about at the very beginning. It, it, it's funny. It just keeps coming back to iTunes. It's you just build and build and build on this sort of foundation that wasn't meant to take it, and all of a sudden you've got this this mess. And it, it's worth it for them to rethink all that stuff. It is. But again, to me, the question is, who has the institutional power to do that? Who who's the person who has enough power to say? Well, the CEO has the power <clears throat> to do that. Yeah, but I mean. He, you know, he, even if he, C- even if he's not, and and I want to stress, I I don't buy into the idea that Tim Cook has no good ideas about products. I don't think that's true. Right. But um, but putting aside whether he's the great curator of products, Tim Cook uh, has the power to say we need to take a baseline look at our calendar. We need to take a baseline look, e- even though we're well aware that we. A big part of our appeal is we have a one and a half million or whatever they have apps available, some of which compete with our core apps. We need to take a, a, a you know a baseline look at everything, even the calculator, everything. I mean, I, I think and, ma- and make sure these things m- meet Apple standards and knock the ball out of the park every time. But so not not to push back against this too much because I I agree with you, but that there's also a Johnny Ive in that mix who could presumably say such a thing, but. Yeah, well, yeah, but sure. they bought Beats. You know, they spent three billion dollars on this company to do their mm-hmm. streaming service, and they looked at Apple Music the day before it went out, and they said, "Yep, that's the thing. Ship it." And that's that is the danger zone to me. That's the sign. That's the red flag. The danger sign. I would say the red flag. Um, they did a pretty ham-fisted job of taking the existing Beats Music UI. And sort of like gluing it onto iTunes, adding a few more features, and calling it a day. And that's they actually dropped my favorite part of the Beats Music. UI, what was that, by the way? The sentence. Oh, that was great. Sentence. Yeah, where you're like, I'm yeah. here, I'm doing this. You go thing. if you dug up my Beats Music review. That was the thing I thought was super. cool. I mean, they, they had all these recommendation features, and then all these like human algorithms, and you know, the, and that's what they leaned into. No, you're, uh, it's a good example, but but I think it's also probably an outlier. Because of the need, like someday somebody will write an in-depth story, or it'll be part of a book about the the negotiations for that acquisition, and then the further negotiations uh, internally. With I mean, that was not developed like these other Apple products, I suspect, because the people from Beats had a big hand in it, and uh, there there probably was some negotiation in there. Yeah, but that's. And we should, we should, I mean, I don't I'm mean not to, excusing it. I don't mean it. to keep twisting on it because everybody gets what I'm saying. There used to be a guy who it didn't matter if the people from Beats had a big hand in it. He would have said, screw this. It doesn't go out until it's good. Yep. And these are the standards that we're going to meet. And I think that that's the thing that I'm looking for. And and that's what lies at the heart of what I'm saying. I actually, I actually wrote this explicitly. Um, they set a high standard for themselves. They met it. They still meet it in many dimensions, uh, but they met it across the board with a few notable exceptions over many years, and I think their core apps uh, on uh, on both the desktop and, in some cases, the mobile devices um, have fallen below that standard, and that is a problem, and that's basically See, it. I told you this would be a fire episode. This heat, more heated <laughs> agreement, by the way, I point out. But at least you got some heat. Some vibrancy in the game. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we're over. 
Sadly, we've got to end this one. Both Walt and I are writing columns for next week, but we have no idea what we're writing about, so I can't yeah. have nothing to tease. Um, if you would like to hear <laughs> Walt and I just spend half an hour riffing column ideas at each other, <laughs> please tweet at us. Uh, Walt is at Walt Mossberg. <laughs> I will not respond I'm to I'm at tweets. Reckless. I think that would be a great show. Just you and I being like, I don't know, this is a good idea. Can I spin a thousand <laughs> words out of this? Uh, anyhow, uh, but yeah, Walt is at Walt Mossberg. I'm at Reckless. We love your feedback. I know Walt has been in a world of feedback today because many people both extremely agree with him and extremely disagree with him. No middle ground. I don't think any... Well, has anybody tweeted at you today and been like, you know what? You're about right. <laughs> Not no strong feeling either way. I think it's been very polarized. No, no middle... Uh, well, I can't look. I haven't read every tweet yeah. and I haven't, I haven't read every it's comment. Like 800 on, shares on Facebook. Fa- crazy uh, off the charts. Well, thing. 800 likes about an hour ago yeah. on Facebook and... 50 or 100, I don't know, a, a lot of shares, and um, it's very nice. I thank everyone who, uh, you know, who felt uh, strongly enough about this, to whether they agreed with me or not, to, to comment. Yeah, um, that's something. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll come back to this topic sometime. I'm, I'm sure, well, you know, there's supposedly an event coming up in March, so... We'll, uh, we'll be watching. Anyhow, um, we love your feedback. You- yeah, but we're disinvited. Yeah. Or at least I am. Yeah, we're probably. definitely. Well, well, you're going to get half a chair. You have to stand, stand outside. I'm going to put you in a uh-huh. VR headset. Um, uh-huh. Anyway, so we love your feedback. Hit us on Twitter. Uh, you can write us emails. Like I say, if you can't figure out our emails, please don't write me an email. Um, if you want to just leave a comment on iTunes, we love that too. Use iTunes. Get in there. Figure it out. Uh, we're iTunes.com slash The Verge. That's where all of our podcasts are, including The Vergecast, which I host on Thursdays. Uh, Verge ESP, which Emily and Liz are the reason I have to get out here is because they're about to record the, the, this week's episode of Verge ESP momentarily. It's a wonderful show that I encourage you to listen to. And we have What's Tech with Chris Plant, which is also great. And then over on the Recode side, our friend and senior editor, Lauren Good. Uh, now hosts Too Embarrassed to Ask, a tech advice column with some very interesting guests alongside Kara Swisher. And Kara Swisher and Peter Kafka, this Ouroboros just keeps going. Everybody's hosting shows with each other. Uh, Peter and Kara yep. host uh, Recode Decode, which if you are into media and tech, one of the most interesting, best shows you can listen to. I highly recommend it. Peter just did an episode with Nick Denton from Gawker. Which oh, is absolutely. Just fast. It's great. Just great stuff. Kara and Peter do a great, great job. Uh, and Code Media is coming up. And so if you have some X number of thousand dollars to spend going to a media conference. Uh, oh, every, it, it, it's, it's, it's so worth so it. So worth it. So check it out. It's so worth it. Ticket price is a complete bargain. Well, now we're just Let pitching. Just um, I also yeah. uh, have a line of shampoos. Um, no, Code Media is wonderful. We give you shampoo if you go to Code Media. Yeah, it's a great swag bag. And it's Code not Neelai brand shampoo. Uh, no, but if you're interested in Code Media, tickets on sale, a huge lineup. I think they announced Spike Jones, uh, who is going to run uh, Vice's new TV channel alongside Shane Smith from Vice uh, today. It was announced that we'll be at Code Media, so that'd be really cool. Um, but that is it. There's so much to listen to, so much to read at theverge.com and Recode. We encourage you to check it all out. Uh, and Walt, I will actually. You know what? Big announcement. I won't be here next week um, because Why? Dieter is getting married, and I will be oh, in the Dominican right, Republic. Of course, his best man. He's asked me to fly so a not- drone down the aisle. So uh, <laughs> this is true. He wants I, you know, best man. I've got, I've got to like, present the rings. And well, he and his okay. Wife, so we're not going to have a we're not going to have a control Walt to Lee next we'll week. We'll be off next week unless I can figure out how to Skype from. But location. instead of that, you will see footage of Neelai flying a drone down the aisle at a wedding. i got to figure out how to attach the rings to it. It's going to be real. In a foreign country. In a country, foreign country. It's going to be something. Which we shouldn't name, probably for privacy, I don't know. But 
uh, I don't know what, what you should check out the jail system first. <laughs> I'll see. I'm actually worried about flying the drone because you got to get the big batteries on the plane, and I'm really touchy about it. All right, but the next podcast has to be recorded, so let's get out of here. All right, we'll see everybody later. Thank you so much, Walt. Thank you, Neelai. <laughs>